Welcome to Sard's Podcast Sardisms, where we take great ideas and bring them together to have great conversation. I'm Mariah Young, and I'm with Kevin Monk, Managing Director of Sard. Today, we have the friendliest person you'll ever meet, Jan Eastwood, who is part of the business development team at Sard. Jan's had quite the experience and an usually underappreciated role, and she's incredibly good at it. Sard is big on not going all in for the hard sale, and Jan has done an amazing job of finding that perfect balance between developing business relationships and helping others. So, Jan, welcome aboard. I really want to hear about your relationship with sales and what you what you think of it and what you think its role is in the world. You know, when things are hard, when things are really tough, I think selling and finding new business is, is what it's all about. And as a salesperson, it's it's ingrained in me that I go out and find business. After my university degree, which was to do with business, I started off working for United Biscuits and I was a peanut rep and selling biscuits and so forth. And I was sort of going out to shops. And then I did 10 years of, you know, working for blue chip companies and learning my trade, really. And then there was just one Thursday afternoon and working for this organization. And I thought, quite like talking to people I've never spoken to before. So I I don't mind talking to total strangers. And personally, I'm good at finding opportunities. And I actually had a, a boss who was a fantastic salesperson. He was hopeless at finding opportunities, but absolutely 99% able to land the deal and put that ball in the net. And I actually designed the whole of this jet business on him. (laughs) So I thought if I could find opportunities and put them at his feet, he could kick that ball in the net. And it's absolutely a really powerful combination. It's a bit difficult to ask this. Uh, Also, I should just say, all through this, because I've got a South London accent, I'm going to keep saying sows as in like female pigs. <laughs> I, can't, I can't actually say the word sales. 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 There you go. I think I've managed it. So anyway, female, female pigs. Where if I say anything about female pigs, just translate that to sales. Um, in, in my world, uh, when I say my world, I mean techies, geeks, people who put software together, but also engineers, there's a real, I don't know, lack of respect for sales Mm. for that as a profession. It's not clearly a noble profession and please Mm. don't take offense at that, but it's not the profession that people stand out in the street and clap everybody on a Thursday like they do with, with health workers where it's sort of unambiguously good. As a result, I think people who build things and make things are a bit suspicious of salespeople. They're suspicious of recruitment consultants. They're suspicious of estate agents. They're suspicious of that whole industry. And I feel like you've already kind of answered this. What's your defense of that role and that position in the world? Because I, I can tell you what mine is is that you're, you're essentially flower arrangers that you're like, you say, you've seen these, these companies that have been building these things for 25 years. Um, you said that you mentioned the shop and how, you know, they, they've got all this great stuff, but it's about how do you get people in? And I, I see it's like a flower arrangement. It's like, this is a beautiful thing that someone makes stuff and it is also someone's role to shine a light on it mm. and say, this is, this is a good thing. And that's an important part of our world is someone who can push people who are doing good things into the limelight so that other people can discover it. I'm not a, a natural salesperson and they have all these 
all this jargon like have I got a deal for you and you've got more front than Tesco's and the reputation maybe that you know salespeople just big it up and they say yes to things that actually they they can't achieve and they walk away and they rub their hands and good deal I actually I flew down for my first interview from Liverpool University because I liked eating biscuits when we were we were <laughs> we were drunk at university. My mum used to go shopping in Sainsbury's and get all the broken biscuits, and my mate used to come back to my room, and we were sort of about four in the morning. We were stuffing our face with biscuits. And <laughs> I just thought when it came to the milk round um, at university, I'd have to apply to United Biscuits because it was just a joke. <laughs> I love that. And I, I got I just you know I just thought I'm well I'm gonna, I'm up for this one. And I actually was, as a cocky little monkey, I actually flew down for my interview at the Post House Hotel and everybody else had come down by train from Scotland and all this. I was going for the experience because I like biscuits. And that was a blue chip company and they sold themselves to me. It was a three-day, you know, goldfish bowl job where you had to conjure up a business and you had to present it to the rest of the group, a bit like... um, uh, the apprentice. That's so they they watched you how you ate, how you engaged, and they did a totally a total sales job on me. And um, and at the, at the very end, they they offered me a job, and there was only about I think four jobs in the whole of United Biscuits for sales that, that was issued that year. They had marketing consult marketing people, and we were put on you know we were put on the fast track. And I flew home, you know, eating a packet of biscuits in, in the airport. I so I've luck I've been lucky, and I, I I've done. 10, I did 10 years of what I would say pedigree sales work. So right from the very beginning, I've been taught that in selling, you've got to tell the truth, right. you know, because if you, if you sell something to somebody they don't really want, or they've been conned or something like that, it'll just come back on you. You know, you, it's not a win-win, it's a win-lose, you know, or a lose-win. You know, you never, you've got, both people have got to be very, very happy with the fact that they were looking for something and you've understood what it is that they want amongst all the other things that they could have gone for, but you found the perfect match for them, they're very, very happy. So when it comes to selling, the only sort of business that I'm trained to do is is to find when there's a good fit and walk away from them when there's a bad fit. And what I enjoyed about setting up my business is I've got this inherent thing that I like to help people. I love it. I just get a great pleasure. There's no, well, somebody said a wonderful saying, there's no greater pleasure than reaching down and lifting somebody to a great height. And so I've had all this training and I put that into the pot to actually help other companies find new business. Everybody wants new business. If you, if you look at Dragon's Den, these poor little mites that come to present to those dragons, all they want to do is to get into Tesco's. Mm-hmm. They just want to get into these organizations. They've got this, as you say, they've actually invented something. All their heart and sometimes all their money has gone into this invention. And, and what they simply want is to sell it now. <laughs> they want help. And that's what I do is I, I open, I make meetings for these people, um, find where the market will sit for them, you know, who, where, how best to uh, present and, and is there a market for it? And so I've used all my sales experience just to help people find new business. And I, it's an absolute pleasure. So I don't see this as um, a dingy thing or a, a dodgy thing at all. It's, it's just uh, somebody, as you say, has developed a product and now they've got to find their market. And if, you know, you've got to somehow, you've got to get people to come to you and so if you can have the ability to talk to people, get on with those people, build credibility with that person in, that you're talking to on the phone or face to face, enabling them to relax and say, you know, this person has got credibility and 
they're working for a company that's got some great solutions and there's a lot of integrity. Yes, I trust them. Okay, I'm going to open up a little bit more and I'm going to tell them a little bit more about my worries and my needs and where I need guidance. And if you get that sort of trust, you know, you must never take advantage of that trust and you actually enable them to talk out through what it is they truly want. And then you know your product, you should know your product to be able to say, okay, there's a good match here and put the two together and see everybody growing. That, that's what I do. <laughs> mm. I don't see it the way you see it as sales. I see it as, as a way of finding an opportunity for somebody who's got something great out there and just linking the two together. Matchmaking. It is matchmaking. Yeah, mm. it is. And it's and, and a proper salesperson, as we've been trained right from the word go, is you should be listening 75% of the time and questioning. And I was trained. I was very lucky. I, I had a very, very good, um, what would you call it? A headhunter, really. And he, he made my career. I, I got my first job with United Biscuits and then I nearly got sacked because I ordered too many space stations accidentally in Asda. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. It was, it was terrible. It, it's hilarious. Uh, space stations, Amy, it was a corn flavored snack and uh, there was chutney flavor, pickled onion and something else. I don't know. And Asda used to queue up this horrible shot, the way they used to treat cells, reps, and inverted commas. You know, I had to, I think it was uh, 25 outers of each in this set in this Asda in Park Royal. Um, you used to have to go up in this crony, you know, horrible little smelly lift, go up and count the stock in the warehouse and go back to speak to the, the, the person that was going to sign your order off and say, you know, how much of those 75 outers have been sold. Well, for about three weeks on, they kept going selling track and believe it. Couldn't believe it. No, I only had about sort of, you know, it was and basically on the fourth week, he said, come here. And he showed me, he said, what's that? And there was a whole pile of space stations right up to the roof. And it was like, oh, my God, I hadn't seen them. <laughs> and um, and and we, we we got thrown out of Asda countrywide oh. because I'd ordered too many space stations. It was really embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> and I got a written warning, you know. Wow. Mm. And I sort of, I was so nervous. You know, here's me as, as a, as a, you know, like, like supposed to be a sort of, a hot shot, you know, going on the fast track. And I've, I've ordered too many space stations. And I went home and I just dropped everything, went home. My granny was there, has never done a day's work in her life. She said, oh, don't worry, darling, just come shopping with me. I said, no. <laughs> and I didn't get the sack. I got a written warning. But at the same time, through my boyfriend at the time, he'd introduced me to a, a really super headhunter. And he said, do you want a clean job? I said, yes, please. He said, do you want a mortgage? I said, yes, please. And he got me into American Express, mm. which was a massive, you know, it was a massive break. And when they offered me the job, they said, can I have your reaction? And I just said, I'm going to jump out of the window. And it was like, no. Oh, I said, oh, sorry, I, I accept, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and then I, again, blue chip, blue chip company, tremendous chain training. And then the same headhunter got ripped me out of there. And he said, you've got to get on and you and, and I joined Memorex. And that was, again, they said Oxford and Cambridge are the sales world. And again, trained properly. You know, you've, you've got to be, integrity is, is the core of SARD. And that's what it's all about. And how many times have, you know, SARD said to people, you know, if you're happy with the solutions that you've got, then that's great. We want to help the NHS, you know, and we're not trying to rip something out that works. If you need something and you want to find something that fits and helps you move forward, then SARD is potentially somebody that can actually help you. And, and that's what that's what we're doing, really. And, you know, it is an absolute, absolute pleasure to see a good win, you know, a good match when everybody's happy. 
And the fact that you have got great retention of your customers means that perhaps what you've been saying is absolutely right. You know, you are keeping them future-proofed. And so going back to the business I set up, as I, I designed it on that particular very, very good salesperson, he had heart attack on the way to a customer wow. at one stage. You know, he was so dedicated. He was a, a tremendous salesperson, but he was hopeless at finding opportunities. And I thought, you know what? I like doing the full sale, but I'm also going to set up a business actually trying to find opportunities for this, this gent. And indeed, it, it paid off, you know, and that's what I've been doing for nearly 30 years. 30 years this January. Wow, that's mm. fabulous. Sales trainer from Memorex, who we were all frightened of. I'd set up my own business. And I remember in one of the sales training courses, we were you know, told not to talk too much, which is difficult for me, really. And um, suddenly he phoned me at my home and I'm feeding my goldfield all peacefully. And suddenly the sales trainer from my ex-company is on the phone. I'm like, oh, yes. And he said, I've been, I've been told about you from the same headhunter. Actually. I've been told about what you do. and." Uh, I'm talking to Fujitsu at the moment. Would you like to come in and meet the sales director uh, to see how we can help? And this was very early days because what I, you know, what I'm involved with is business development. It was very new, very new at the time. And I was sitting in the reception and they had a showcase there where they used to invite people to present to. Somebody had been there. Two people had come back to the uh, reception and they said they, they didn't, they were talking amongst themselves as they were ordering a taxi to the airport. And they, they said, you know, I didn't, I wasn't that impressed. So when the sales director came down to meet me to take me up to his upstairs to talk to him, I was first of all impressed that he had actually himself not sent a secretary down. He himself had, had come down to meet me. And then I said, do people normally get impressed when they come to your showcase? He said, oh, yes. I said, well, these two didn't. And he said, really? So we got talking and everything like that. And he agreed, well, I really would like you to help our sales team. And um, he's, and at the end of it, he said, I'm going to come down with you. I just want to find out who those two people are that weren't happy with our performance earlier. And I, I read from that that this guy was mustered. Mm. Um, I went in the next week or whatever. He said, just tell me what you need to do to set these set the sales team up to help what you want and how you're going to help them. And I knocked on his door and I said, I've done all of that. And I said, um, is there anything I can do for you? And he said, yeah, get me into the post office. And he gave me, I think he gave me the name. And at that stage, my business was only like a year and a half old. And I was working from home, which was unusual in those days. I made two phone calls to this particular, but they've been trying for, uh, I don't know, over, over I can't remember, it was four weeks or, or two months. They've been trying to get in. And I just said to this lady, I said, people buy from people, meet meet this man. He's he's going to listen to you. He's going to understand what it is that you need. And um, it ended up being about £65 million deal. <laughs> Whoa. It took about a year and a half to do, um, but it ended up about £65 million deal. Yeah. Wow. And that, that's great pleasure. You know, that's that's what mm, it's all about. Wow. Can you get us into the post office? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've got anything to sell them. But... And that's the thing, you know, that's what... If you say to me, I really, and, and, and when I first started facade, you, you know, there were certain particular trusts. You said, I really would love to meet and get him to speak to these people. And I thought, yeah, okay, let's do it. And you've got to believe in who you're working for. You really had, mm. because it's no use representing an organization that gives a rubbish product because it's not in your heart. I am in awe of SAR that the, the team are super bright and and uh, work all hours. It's absolutely, you know, in your heart, take that leap. And you, I've seen it, the user meetings, the way they, you know, they really enjoy being a member of the SARD fraternity, really, or uh, the community. I genuinely do believe that they can move forward if they work with SARD or buy from SARD. And that's why it's nice and easy to do. <laughs> <laughs> easy to match, mate. Mm. Yes. Yeah. You were a perfect match for us because, as I said, we 
I come from that world that is cynical about salespeople. And I think I probably was initially because when you're an engineer, you have the attitude of build it and they will come. And so your view of that community is often disingenuous. You know, I feel like I'm being rude to you here, Jan. You're not because it doesn't, it's, I can answer that by saying that, yeah, you, I, I disagree. Funnily enough, I find myself being quite defensive of sales people in those communities now, particularly around things like recruitment, where people say, oh, I don't need, I don't need a recruiter and I don't want to speak to recruitment people. What, you know, what value do they add? They're just a, a kind of middleman in between me, particularly in tech recruitment. It's, um, you know, where here's, here's all of the companies and here's all of the, the great technical bots and, you know, they know what they want and the technical person knows their stuff. And then you, you've got this person in the middle who's trying to match make, mm. um, and they, they perhaps don't understand those technologies as well and things like that. And so they're, they're very, very, very cynical about it. Mm. They're very, very resistant to having recruiters in, in tech circles, particularly from the candidate side. And I find myself saying, well, no, actually we use a guy uh, called John. He's fantastic. He's did the recruitment for, for a number of people now like you, one of the things I like about him is he understands us absolutely, and he understands what we're about. And what he does is he goes out and he presents the best version of us to those people, because I think we do have something to offer both in as a place to work, but also in the products that we sell. So I feel like you can be genuine in your sales pitch, but also the likes of John can be genuine in recruitment to say, well, this is what the culture is like. This is Mm -hmm. what it's about. I know these people. And he can probably present us better than we could. In uh, recruitment, Mm. I did it for just a year because I wanted to learn about it. And, you know, it's, it's a very hard business because you're selling people. Right. If you put a person in a job that is not a good fit and they spend, you know, maybe six months there and they walk out, then all your credibility and relationship with that client probably will will go, you know, because, well, I'm sorry about that, you know, because you've invested six months training that person up. So, you know, selling people is is tough. You know, the wife says, no, no, I don't want to change locations and you do all that work. And at the end of the day, they say no. So they're very rare. But this headhunter, he he was so valued by his clients and one of which was American Express. And and they only used him um, because he, with his sales ability, was able to get me excited about the company. I remember sitting on the the second step of my mum's house, you know, and I was like, oh, you know, it's telling me all the stuff about I was just so excited. And he, he, he prepared me. And then behind the scenes, he was helping, letting them see the qualities that he'd seen in me, how that would have been a good fit for their their culture. Yes, he he was one of the the top in the country. So when you get a very good one, it's it's very rare, but they're very precious. Yes. Mm. I don't know. It's it's the ability, I think, to see what that person really wants. And and it's very easy to say, oh, I want a kitchen that's got six drawers and so-so and so-so. And you you need to dig deeper than that and say, well, why why is that important? And once you understand really what that particular person wants, what that trust wants, you then get to the, the to the deep uh, reasons. And if that is exactly what it what you as a, a company provide, it it's a it's a no-brainer. I can tell you another one. Yes, please. Yeah. This same sales trainer, uh, we were in a sales meeting, a uh, sales training session, and he picked on me. I was like, no. And he said, why do you wear perfume? And I went, because I want to smell nice. 
And so that might have been the reason, you know, he could have sold me this perfume because it smells nice. That he hadn't finished. <laughs> he wanted to say, well, well, so what? You know, well, this smells nice. Do you want to buy that? You know, why do you want to smell nice? And at the end of the day, it was really, he get, got down to the what the truth of it was. And I said, I want to feel attractive to men. <laughs> <laughs> and it was, you know, I wasn't going to say that cough that up and I still have my favorite perfume I think well I know it looks like this uh, I like it as well actually but it you know may not be just that but he cut right back to the to the uh, okay that's why (laughs) and maybe I hadn't really thought about it myself you know you wear perfume maybe not just to men but just to feel more attractive to your community you know to the people you're with I suppose Mm. one of the reasons and he then got to that stage and he said, well, I don't know what it is about this perfume, but there's something in it, the phenomes or whatever it's called. But, you know, this one really does seem to pull the guys. <laughs> do, you want to, do, you want to, do you want to give it a go? And I thought, yeah, all right. That's great. <laughs> it, that actually, to me, shows training, sales, selling, is you've got to keep on dig, 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 dig. And you were mentioning it the other day, Kevin, you know, of what are the real fundamental reasons of, of why this, you know, you think this product might help you. And and if you know that you've got this special perfume that pulls blokes, <laughs> you know, you know that's in your armory and you're seeing whether that is what they want. And if they, if they are, then the competition can go home because you've got that and they haven't. And that's unique. Mm. So I actually, I, I do sales training. I haven't done sales training for a while because I've been busy, but um, I do do sales training. And I actually was invited to come in to sell to a whole bunch of captains because they were trying, they, as well as learning, getting their hours up to be professional pilots, um, they also had to pick the phone up if they were there and um, sell flight lessons to poor people. So I had a whole room of these lovely captains. Great, you know, marvellous. And I did the same trick. I said to one of these guys, I said, why do you wear aftershave? And I got him, you know. (laughs) It it actually takes it home, you know, that you've got to keep digging. And the only way to dig is, you know, make them feel you want to actually get to the bottom of what it is they really want. And then it's just a match, you know, say, yeah, well, here Mm. we are. This is why I think, you know, we should be talking because this is exactly what we do provide. Is it about getting to a truthful need though? Is, yes. is, that, is that the thing? Because yes. um, you know, have you seen the Wolf of Wall Street? There's a bit in it where he says, sell me this pen. And it's become this sort of quite sort of famous sales quote, you know, sell me this pen. And he just picks it out in this restaurant. And I, actually, I can't remember what the response is of the top, the top sales guy there, but he creates a need for that pen. I mean, yeah. if, if, if the, I can't remember his name, but if that Wolf of Wall Street guy was to say, sell me this pen, I'd just take his pen off him. It's the pen of the guy from the Wolf of Wall Street. It's the famous pen right. that he uses to show you about, I'd be like, oh, thanks. You give it, I'm not going to sell it to you. Thanks. I, I can't. <laughs> I'll sell something that's not mine. So it's now mine. So I'm going to put it in my pocket. Thanks. Cheers. That's, that's, that's hugely valuable. Oh, you want it back. Oh, okay. Right. <laughs> and then you're, you're selling, you're selling a need. Um, you're selling, you've created the gap, but the thing is about that. And I think, well, people, why it's called the wolf of wall street is that it's selling something where there isn't right. a genuine need. You're, you're creating a gap Awful. That, yeah. that perhaps didn't exist. I, when I was younger, there used to be these sort of like innovations catalogs where you'd get, it'd have like elasticated waist trousers and a thing for removing the stone out of a cherry or I don't know, like an orange squeezer. And it would just basically be a catalog full of um, solutions to problems you never knew you had. Mm. You know, you can do it. You sit on QVC or something and you'll you just be like, oh yeah, I did. Yeah, actually thinking about it, elastic 
sophisticated trousers is what I need in my life. And you, you, it was never, it was never a problem before they made it a problem for you. It, maybe that's the difference between honest sales and dishonest sales is, is, is whether you, that psychotherapy that you're doing, which is to work out what is the deep rooted problem. Yes. If we're all in the business of pain relief, which I think we are, you know, we're trying to sell problems. We're trying to give people hotels to, you know, stay in to, you know, relieve the pain of <laughs> existence. Jesus, <Jeez, that's> deep. <laughs> but, you know, if, if, if we are all in the business of pain relief, is it because you are solving pain to a thing you caused or because you are actually uncovering a genuine pain? It's got to be the latter. The pencil thing was when we were, as I said, back at university, we were going for these milk round interviews. Some bright guy was asked that same question. Sell me this pencil and he just broke it over his knee and said, you need a new pencil. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. There you go. There you have it. That's good. (laughs) No, it's all to do with the, the very... The basics, and one of the basics is is job security and peace of mind and and money. Those are the they often say it, it files down to the, the three three main areas, and that's why a lot of people will buy one particular big company because, as you you know, the old fashioned statement is you'll never would get sacked buying IBM, and they don't want to stick their neck above the pulpit. We see this all the time, and we're looking for. Trusts that actually want to stand out and be counted and maybe be a leader mm. and actually go against the very obvious route because they've got particular needs that they want to have satisfied. And that is peace of mind that and, and, and money being spent and know that they got something for the future. But it, it is going back to the very, very basics. The best sort of salesperson, I would say, is a librarian. You wouldn't think a librarian is a salesperson, would you? No. But you walk in and she says, how can I help you? And she says, I really want to, I want to read a historic book about the Roman era. So she starts to ask questions. So, well, when you say that, is it got to be a romantic novel? Is it got to be blood and guts? You know, and slowly she's now uncovering what it is that I'm looking to read about. And when she sort of gets to the bottom of what it is that she thinks it's all about, and it might be because of some, you know, they believe they belong to the Roman era or something, I don't know. But then she takes them to the set of books, or perhaps would bring out the set of books that would touch the areas that have been discussed. Now that's librarian, knows her her library. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. She knows every book in that library, theoretically. And that's where a good salesperson should know their knowledge. And I'm always learning. I've got a lot more to learn because I'm busy trying to get the doors down. But your your products are changing by the day. But it's the knowledge. Now, she's not done. Have I got a deal for you? All she's done is she's asked lots of questions to understand what it is that that particular person wants. And in addition to that, there may be things that they've not really thought about. But she could see now that actually probably they might be rather interested in that. So she said, actually, you might like to try this novel. I'll tell you why. Because of X, Y, and Z, X, Y, you mentioned that this was something that you were rather interested in. And I think that you'll find this rather rather a good book. So that's what a salesperson does is, is, is knowledge. Yeah, that's so good. I love that. And listening to what the person wants. That's not a sales guy that's just wanting to sell the latest blockbuster video, get her out, get her out, you know. I think why that librarian analogy is so powerful, actually, is because it's so the chalk and cheese of what you expect from a salesperson. Right? Yeah. It's, yes. It's the quiet, diminutive person that you, you can't shout loudly. That's just wonderful. Oh, I love that analogy. That's brilliant. But it is. I, I like, I, I don't know, I made it up, but I like it. And I, I think about that a lot because it, it just, as you say, it just it reverses what you think of a flashy git salesperson. And uh, 
And uh, yeah, and that's what it's all about. It's lovely working for an organisation where you believe in what it is that they do. And it, you know, you, you guys hit the spot, definitely. And likewise, I mean, we feel, we feel so lucky to have found you, Jan. Well, thank you for that. That's really nice to hear. someone to pre- present our products because I think there is such such genuine desire to do that matchmaking and to find the right product and the right fit for our clients. You're, you're such a perfect salesperson for Saad. And it, it was a really hard person to find. And I'm so glad we did find you. Well, thank you. But it's a pleasure to work with you because you're so easy. As I said, I always want to work with good goal kickers because I'm, I'm a goal kicker myself. I like to do the whole sale. But it works if I can put you in front of the, the goal or when I pass the ball to you and you have the ability to pop it in, that makes it all work because I could do all the other stuff. I remember working for one company very early on and I had this romantic idea. I thought, well, I've had all this training and I had, I've had 10 years of training, proper, very good training. And um, I thought it'd be so lovely to help small companies. And I remember I got this small company into Avis, Avis Worldwide. And it got to the proposal and they just they just basically had an A4 piece of paper that they folded into three. I said, no, you know, that that's not, you can't do that. You've got to present yourself properly. And and I did all that work, then they were going to miss the goal. Mm. And so I'm always wanting to work with people that are really good at what they do because dynamite when they mm. put together. And that, that's what it's all about. You do all that effort and you want them to then carry on and fruit. <laughs> I just wanted to give a little cheer to yeah. all of the salespeople who make up UK workforce because I think they're they're not appreciated enough for their role. It's a tough job as well. Mm. Absolutely. Their role is matchmaking and flower arranging and making all of the good things that people building all over the country and presenting them Mm. to people so they get more joy and benefit out of them. That's definitely. So well done, salespeople. (laughs) If there's one thing listeners should know, what would that be? If you are going to be happy in your work, it's got to be as close to you is something that you love doing. And also you've got to believe in it and it's got to ring straight through to your heart. You know, you've really got to enjoy the work that you're doing because you're going to do an awful lot of it and you put a lot of your time into it. So you've just got to find out what it is that you're talented at and follow that line. And I love talking to people. And when I come home, I then get the phone and I'm on the phone talking to my friends. So obviously it's something I love doing. Yeah. And it's close to... Awesome. Mate, you really do like to talk. <laughs> because <laughs> i'd come home and i'd be like oh don't talk to me nobody say anything but that's amazing so uh, you've just got to follow your follow what you are good at and you enjoy doing and then it doesn't seem like work that's what i would say thank you Jan. yeah thank you so much well thank you it's really good Thank you to all our listeners who tuned in to today's episode of Sardisms. We really enjoyed having you and hopefully you've enjoyed hearing about Jan's take on Sard as well as her experience in sales. You can find out more about Sard by visiting sardjv.co.uk or send us a tweet on Twitter at sardjv and use hashtag Sardisms. And until next time, have a great week. 